to Book Chatter, a monthly book club podcast presented by the Longmont Public Library. I'm Barb, your host for this episode, and with me are all the J's, Jana. Hi. And Johannes. Hello. And Josie. Hi. To discuss our latest pick, The Only Good Indians, a novel by Stephen Graham Jones. And spoiler alert, once again today, we will be discussing our novel in its entirety. So if you haven't finished reading it yet, you might want to come back to this episode when you've done so. Let's begin with a little bit about the author and the author's work. I like how this author describes himself on his website, demontheory.net. And I quote here, Stephen Graham Jones is the New York Times best-selling author of 25 or 30 or so books, 350-plus stories, some comic books, and all this stuff here. He lives in Boulder, Colorado, and has a few broken-down old trucks, one Ph.D., and way too many boots. Jones is also the Ivina Riley Baldwin Professor of English and a Professor of Distinction at the University of Colorado Boulder. And back in August, he took home two prestigious Shirley Jackson Awards. And those are for our outstanding achievement in the literature of psychological suspense, horror, and the dark fantastic. And one of those was for Best Novella of 2020 for his Night of the Mannequins. And Best Novel of 2020 for, you guessed it, The Only Good Indians. In his latest novel, My Heart is a Chainsaw, and I'm quoting here from a starred review from Publishers Weekly, Jones expertly mixes the frightening and the funny in this no-holds-barred homage to classic horror tropes written under the heady influence of splatter films. And here's how the author introduces his book on his website. Ten years ago, Outside Browning, Montana, four black feet shot some elk and then went on with their lives. It happens every year. It's been happening forever. It's the way it's always been. But this time it's different. Ten years after that fateful hunt, these men are being stalked, are being hunted themselves. By who? By what? And why? Some hunting expeditions... They're never really over. This one's just beginning. Cue the spooky music. Let's throw some stars at this. I'll Let's splatter first. some it, stars. It, it, it's a splatter. That's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> well, I'll jump right in and say, truthfully, I'm not a fan of horror. Um, violent, gruesome fiction takes me way out of my comfort zone for pleasure reading. But even so, I appreciated this author's spare, incisive writing style, his use of lyrical language, especially in describing the stark and harsh beauty of the reservation. In many ways, this is a classic tale of revenge where the predator becomes the prey, but it's really unique in its setting, its culturally diverse characters, and its biting social commentary. And for that, I give it... 4.5 4.5 stars, just short because of a couple sleepless nights. Um, Jana, what was your opinion? So, uh, like you, Barb, I, I don't usually read horror, um, but I have enjoyed some gothic horror. Um, I felt a little bit queasy at times. I felt like I had to stop listening to it. I did listen to um, it on audio. It is recorded by a Blackfoot um, voice actor who does an excellent job. And um, Stephen Graham Jones requested that his publisher hire um, an indigenous person to record, and specifically a Blackfoot person, and he got it. Um, It's beautifully narrated, um, but I had to take a break at times. I felt pretty overwhelmed. Um, However, I am so glad I stuck with it because this novel is not just a horror piece. It's so much more than that. It is very deep as many different levels. Um, It is all about stories and legends. And the author, as Barb said, writes about a hunting trip, kind of gone awry, and the repercussions of that. And he says in his author's acknowledgments, uh, mostly what I come back with from the hunting trips are stories, but stories last longer than meat, I say. And so I think what he's done 
is just brilliantly planted all of these stories in my mind. Um, and he talks about, um, as an author, putting eggs, like letting eggs hatch in, in his readers' brains. Um, so I feel like I have all these eggs planted. <laughs> and over time, the more that I think about this work, the more of these birds hatch <laughs> in my mind and my heart. Um, I just can't say enough how deep this novel really is. So I do, I give it 4.5 stars as well. Great. <laughs> Johannes? Well, I I really liked this book, and, and horror is not out of my comfort zone at all. So I, mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, I liked it specifically for three reasons. I loved the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was awesome. It felt authentic. Um, something that's difficult to do is to know when to have the characters not say anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the there's so much said in the silences. And I think that Jones just, I mean, he knocked it out of the park every time with that. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did, like you, Jenna, enjoy the contemporary Native American perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it just, you know, it's a world that I'm not familiar with. So I loved looking through that window. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was also, it, it was also presented, you know, from the character's perspective, they showed the good, the bad, and the ugly you know, of their cultures, of the tension with other cultures. So that just made it very real for me because I think anyone in any culture of their own also has gripes of their own culture. And so Mm -hmm. it just makes it, it just makes it um, honest, I think. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is I loved the use of humor. He had wonderful, just, uh, he, the, the main character keeps almost narrating what happens in his life with the use of like headlines and I just mm. thought it was brilliant. Uh, he has so many wonderfully sharp and ironic things to say. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I loved that. Um, and I, I think, though, that humor wasn't the centerpiece, which is mm-hmm. good because it would have <laughs> overwhelmed the novel and really made it into something else. Um, but I think it was just it was icing on the cake for anybody who has a streak of dark humor. Mm. And uh, I give this book a five out of five. I think it was awesome, and it, I think this is the first five that I've given. So yeah, I, I loved right. it. <laughs> Great, Josie, your thoughts? Um, I'm going to give that four and a half stars as well. Like mm. Johannes, I loved the dialogue. Um, you felt like you could really hear them. I thought it was a very well put together book, a very well told tale. Like the author talks about. It's an Indian thing. It comes full full circle, and I felt like mm. it came full circle for me. I think it explored guilt in all its many manifestations yes. really well, and that's that's continued to stick with me. And I thought he had some neat symbolism and symmetry. One of the little details I I, I found out, and I was really proud of myself for. <laughs> <laughs> thinking this um so there were nine elk that were killed that night and then the calf and before the book is over there's nine people mm. that are killed and she's going after the calf um denora mm-hmm. um so nate doesn't die so that really just destroys my whole symmetry <laughs> argument <laughs> um but i thought that was kind of neat some of the dislikes I had that prevented me from giving it a five-star review is uh, all those dead dogs. Man, it's hard to So take. many dead dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she had to kill him because they, they would have alerted. I really liked the character of Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was the most developed character as far as his conflict in himself with what he had done and having left the reservation and if he was a good quote Indian or not. And then he's gone before half the book is over. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a George RR Martin move, (laughs) 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 killing off your favorite character early on. Um, Sorry for the spoiler for George RR Martin. (laughs) Um, So that's probably why I didn't give it a full five, but it was, yeah, you, you owe it to yourself to read this book. It's, it's one of a kind. And just going back to what Josie was saying about the um, the numbers and how there's mm-hmm. like a counting down as characters are picked off or murdered, there's um, an illusion in the title, or not the title, but there's an illusion um, to um, Agatha Christie's and then there were none classic mm-hmm. mystery s- 
story, one of the best sellers of all time. Right. Um, and the characters are slowly picked off. They're like invited to this island and they don't know who the murderer is. Um, it's very gripping and frightening. Um, and that is sort of repeated in this tale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does kind of throw in sort of some, some uh, you know, teasers kind of related to that. And I thought it was super interesting because I, have, um, I haven't read that book, but I did watch like a, a television uh, miniseries, which was really good, oh, okay. by the way, mm-hmm. um, about it or based on that book. But it's like um, when you go and, and you research it a little bit. So I looked it up and I saw a cover of the book which, if you look at it on Wikipedia, it's um, 10 Little N-Words. Um, and that mm. was the original Agatha Christie title. Mm. Um, and so, and, and it says in the Wikipedia entry, it says that that title um, was a, a children's counting rhyme, yes. which was um, also known, you know, by the name 10 Little Indians. And yes. so um, I think, you know, this author is writing from, an indigenous, a Native American, Indian perspective. And so he's playing with some of these uh, tropes, and some of them are quite racist, mm-hmm. and kind of putting it back at the, uh, for the audience to, to digest and think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this kind of genre, which, you know, relates to what Christie was writing about, I think that, that, that it's really important to acknowledge that, that aspect. And... That's just another like layer of this book to be discovered, mm-hmm. I think, that you might not notice it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you read between the lines, if you read really closely, you'll see little um, snippets in the text about, you know, then there were, then there were three and then there were two. Um, and one of the little chapters is called And Then There Were None mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. We have some uh, questions for discussion and a shout out to Simon & Schuster, the publisher of... The Only Good Indians, for their uh, great questions for discussion. So let's start off with this. Lewis is haunted by one afternoon of hunting with his friends instead of all the other hunts he's been a part of. What about that hunting trip was unique? Do you understand how it was a violation? Here's some thoughts that crossed my mind as I as I read that question and, and thought back on the story. Um this this uh, hunt is haunting, I think, for several reasons. And the word violation really works well here. Um, Lewis and his friends, they knew that they were violating a very um, strong stricture um, uh, on the reservation, and that is you, you don't take animals from the grounds reserved for the elders. That is, that's just, uh, I'd say, taboo. Um, it's a violation of their own consciences because you can hear them reasoning out loud and, and you get some sort of inner dialogue, I think, with Lewis as well as he's kind of contemplating this whole act. Mm-hmm. And you can hear the, the, the gears moving in their heads saying, well, okay, yeah, if we shoot these animals, yeah, well, we could, you know, we could share the meat with the elders, and that would that would kind of absolve us of mm-hmm. having trespassed on their territory and taken away their ability to hunt these animals. And look, I mean, there's so many here; we're not going to miss what a few. And and so, in that sense, they were violating their own consciences. They were vi- violating the the uh, rules on the reservation, and. Uh, Josie, did you have some further thoughts on this one? Yeah. Um, it wasn't a real fair, well, it wasn't hunting, really, you know? <laughs> that too. It was just a point and shoot sort of mm-hmm. slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was kind of a difference maybe in what mm-hmm. it had been going out and stalking the prey and mm-hmm. and uh, making it somewhat of a fair fight. This was just, there they are. Um, let's just get them. And they talk about sort of the bloodlust and, and yes, the, the, the desire to kill that comes over them. And they're all sort of maniacs about mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like they become powerless. Yeah. And it just, Oh, I just got to shoot, <gasps> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was weird. And then they don't use all of the, the they take, they didn't plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all this meat's not going to fit in his truck. Right. So they take just 
haunches. Mm-hmm. And, and Lewis tries to take all of the, the elk mm-hmm. as much as he can. Mm-hmm. So I think that, too, was sort of a, a violation of, of how you go about hunting animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the last violation that, that I noticed was the killing of the pregnant elk mother. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And the remorse that he feels when he finds out that she was pregnant. Um, descriptions of the fetus and just mm-hmm. kind of this, like the guilt, like coming and playing back over and over in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I tied in with that, just sort of the author's meditation on um, male and female. I, I felt that in the book, you know, hunting is a traditional, traditionally like male pursuit. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, and it was a group of men, and these men were. Um, you know, committed this violation um, in multiple ways, but one way was related to murdering a mother mm-hmm. um, and baby um, to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, how did they grapple with that? Um, and what happens in the end <laughs> with uh, the, the person that comes to kind of be the savior in a way um, mm-hmm. is a girl. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very like strong female narrative going through this book as well. It's not just about these four men, um, but it's also about uh, the girl Denora, um, mm-hmm. the elk calf, and her mother, um, Elkhead Woman, who mm-hmm. is an extremely strong <laughs> character mm-hmm. in this novel. And he makes acknowledgement in his acknowledgments at the end of the book mm-hmm. that the Elkhead Woman, and he's thinking of all the women. He wants to live and thrive, and so I think you're totally on right there. Absolutely. And I think with the guilt piece, it becomes even more horrifying to them because as they are as they are shooting the mother, mm-hmm. it doesn't take one shot, mm. two shots, mm-hmm. you know, and they're kind of wondering yes. like, wow, what is up with this, like, elk that just won't go down? And then right. later on they realize, Oh, that's why, because she had an unborn calf mm-hmm. in her, so she was, you know, she was doing Anacious. everything she could to mm-hmm. stay to stay alive for her calf. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so then the really the guilt and the horror kind of set in mm-hmm. for them going, oh, no, what have we done? You know, mm-hmm. multiple violations all at once. Next question's pretty intimately tied with that. Lewis believes he's being pursued by the spirit of the young mother elk he killed. How does his recent string of bad luck chip away at his sanity? Discuss the combination of factors that push him over the edge. Would these circumstances have driven you insane? It's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) And it does seem like there's a whole stream of things that that, uh, uh, come at Lewis, and the timing just seems so unfortunate but yes he he is slowly losing the pieces of his mind uh to uh well yeah multiple situations in his life i don't know if it would have driven me insane because i'm not coming from the same frame of mind it's like you said johannes we're getting a window into a culture and a mindset uh that let's say the 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 distance between reality and and the supernatural is very uh, thin or porous, I'd yes. say. And um, what I would see as maybe just coincidence, he's seeing connections. Yeah, I think he says at one point, Indians are spooky. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Something goes on in your mind that makes connections that wouldn't be maybe so clear. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree 100% because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, when I was when I was reading this and all the things that had happened, you know, his... Uh, dog almost dying and yes. then, then dying and mm-hmm. you know seeing the elk woman through the fan and just mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. things going at him you know i'd be going okay it's time to like <laughs> get out of here or like something right. massive is going on yes. and but he he his character just kind of took it in stride mm-hmm. when like oh okay what's going on oh right 
the, you know, the, the, the spirit of the elk that I've killed has come back for revenge. So what do I need to do about this? Okay. Mm-hmm. What's my next move? <laughs> Let's address you know, this. whereas yes. I would be like, hey, where's my straight jacket? I just yeah. need, you know, Call to be institutionalized. <laughs> and, and I think that speaks to what you were saying, Barb, is that the, the distance between reality and, and super, the supernatural is so thin. Mm-hmm. And uh, for him, whereas right. for me, it's, it, it, it's a lot thicker. So when I, if I did see something going on like that, I'd be, questioning the entire fabric of reality it's thicker right but i think that that's (laughs) maybe the trap that we fall into as an outsider because Mm -hmm. if you this actually there's a scene that really reminded me of um what happened to lady Macbeth, who is Mm. racked by guilt from encouraging her husband's um, murderous activities um, to Mm -hmm. get ahead in life Mm -hmm. and there's a scene where lewis you know you're right he's he's confusing um these women um, Shaney and Peta with the elk that he killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of like passing it off. Um, he said he's not even really a killer since Shaney wasn't even a real person, right? She was just an elk he shot 10 years ago Saturday, one who didn't know she was already dead. Still, his soapy hand, when he raises it into the stream of hot water, it's trembling. It won't stop trembling. And it just really reminded me of oh, Lady yes. Macbeth, like out damn spot, you know, mm-hmm. that... Um, the guilt that drives you to go insane. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's interesting. I just think that, like, unless you're in that mindset, like, unless you've experienced that, those psychological traumas and all of that, like, it's hard to know exactly how we might react, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, good point. Next question. Discuss reading the chapters as told through the elk's voice. Why do you think the author chose to include this point of view? What fresh insight does it provide? How did it change your understanding of the first few chapters? So maybe it makes the Elkhead woman less of a caricature of a villain Mm. and um, makes her more somewhat sympathetic, I guess. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, at at the end of the book... Um, Denora, she Gabe's daughter. She protects the, the elk woman right. um, from the she police. Her, yeah. She throws herself in front because she mm-hmm. understands this was all motivated to for revenge of her 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 baby. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I think if if the elk woman had been throughout the entire book just this nasty, nasty villain that would have rung really hollow at the end of the book. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it I think the word that you used caricature is is really good because we um often or at least have in the past had that relationship with horror characters or the horror villains I should say. Yes. Right? Where they're very one-dimensional, they're just uh, a source of blind evil. There's no mm-hmm. real motivation. They just do what they do, and it's uh, it's up to the other characters to survive. Mm-hmm. But this is a not just uh, someone who's been murdered, but their child has been murdered. Yes, right. And everyone can just kind of instinctively understand the double injustice that's going on there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes it makes the quote unquote monster more relatable, right. and more um, more understandable. And I, I like the idea that. Um, the idea that was exposed is that, you know, that there's a cost to taking a life mm-hmm. and the bill not may not come due right now. It may not, or it may come due right now. It may come due later, but eventually mm-hmm. it comes due. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case it took 10 years, but <laughs> it came due. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, just mm-hmm. to add on, I think that um, Elkhead woman as a villain herself is, you know, the very embodiment of um, a, an animal that's, that's part animal, part human, a creature, like a, a mm-hmm. mythical beast. Um, and yeah. she's been anthropomorphized into this um, character that we get, we also get the human perspective mm-hmm. um, coming out like in, in words that we understand, but the feelings are those of an animal. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like bridges um, both worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've had little access into the world Lewis and Ricky left until the novel moves to Blackfeet Nation. Discuss what you learn about the reservation from Gabe and Cassidy. Johannes, you had some thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, I this again was one of my favorite uh, aspects of the novel. So I loved to look into that, I guess, reservation culture. Yes, and the you know there was some some guilt that Lewis internalized about having left the reservation. Oh yeah, to uh, to uh, marry a white woman. And also, there was there was shade thrown at him from his from his own culture, being like, "Oh well, you know, you left. Now you're on with your white woman. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you know, you've left mm-hmm. us behind." Yes. But you know, and at the same time, you know, Lewis would recognize that not everything is great on the reservation. Life is hard. There's not a lot of opportunity. The economic situation is bad. A lot of alcoholism, suicide, etc. And so it, it's kind of like, well, then it makes sense that there'd be a push to. To, to leave the reservation, mm-hmm. and yet it's just not that easy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love looking into that into that culture. Uh, and also, I, I loved how at one point he was discussing um, his relationship with PETA, and uh, he said um, how he knew PETA was a real girl was that she didn't look around and say, but it's so beautiful, or how can you, or worse, but this is your land. Mm-hmm. And so he mm-hmm. he feels those stereotypes very deeply, and he's looking for somebody that, that, can, that can look at him as more than just a stereotype or a trope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I think they, the author, intentional or not, does a lot of poking deflating of our sort of stereotypes of of native americans and and even just the word native and indian so Mm -hmm. they're in the sweat right Mm. and gabe and cass are in there talking to nate who's younger yes and cass and gabe are talking about they call themselves indians Mm -hmm. and nate goes no you can't use that word anymore you have to say native they're like you can be a native we're indians right Mm. you know this is this is how how we identify yeah and i just yeah i kind of liked that yeah, absolutely, because there are generational differences oh, yeah, within that yeah. culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're not just a monolith of whatever we want to term them as. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's a hearkening back to things that happened in their history, their historical trauma that, mm-hmm. you know, there's the scene where Ricky is being interviewed by a foreman to go work on the oil rigs. Yes. Um, and yeah, he has yeah. this flashback, you know, he's sitting across from this guy, this white man who's interviewing him, and... He suddenly feels like he's in a canvas tent, like looking at this Calvary man and like staring at his brass buttons. Um, And there's different points in which they're talking about counting coup, which was the things that, you know, warriors would do in battle. That Mm -hmm. was like the most glorious thing you could do, which was like not to kill your enemy, but just to like go up and tap them on the shoulder Mm -hmm. um, and And then run away. away. Antagonize them. Yeah. Yes. Um, And so just so much of, of the culture is infused um, into the writing, like both present, you know, what's happening, but also from the past. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a haunting um, of some of these characters. Yes. Yeah, and I remember that, I don't know who it was, um, but they saw themselves when they killed the elk as if they were the cavalrymen and the elk were... the native population Mm. when they were slaughtered. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, oh, we are the bad guy, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which was, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Another picture of, of, you know, generational trauma, but also talking about that idea of violation, that there was, there's a violation that they've suffered as a people that they're still working out. And I loved how Jones did that. He said, you know, no one is sacred here. No one gets to be on the pedestal. We all have frailties. We are all oppressors and oppressed. And, uh-huh. you know, those 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 labels, like they don't just, no one gets to claim them. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's, I think that's just one of the reasons I love this book so, so much is that you just, it was so honest and, and the characters were so three-dimensional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They were great. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned the <clears throat> sweat in passing here, but um, this was a pretty pivotal moment in the story. And as the, the three men, that's Cass and Gabe and the young Nate, embark on their sweat, they reveal more about life as a Blackfeet, both past and present, discuss the challenges they face and their differing methods of dealing with them. What, if anything, was surprising or unexpected about their experiences and their conversation during the sweat? This is another good example of 
Jones's use of humor, I think that that something that that um, I think Nate's father brought him into this situation, the sweat with these older men, uh, in order to pass along some of the culture, and also hoping that maybe this kid's life will it'll get get pointed in a different direction as a result mm-hmm. of this encounter with his culture. And yet the other two are so darn goofy during the whole thing. You yeah. wonder what sort of impression is Nate getting of his culture at this point? And they and, use just whatever they have it kind of at oh, hand. Yes. yes. Um, the, the dog food scoop, I think is their, is like their water. Yes. Right. Oh, or something yes. like that. Yes. And yes. they've got all these hairy dog hair blankets hanging over them. Yes. And, well, and at um, one point, like they are, like they're, uh, they're, there's some sort of a staff that's traditionally used or whatever. And the, and uh, the quote is here, Cass says, reaching behind Gabe for the uh, ceremonial golf club. It's just, okay, what door. we have is what we use. And yes. we are the ones that infuse it with the power. With meaning. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think you said something about... Uh, let me just check the Indian rule book, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how this is right. supposed to be done. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, and they yes. say, well, okay, what are we supposed to do now? And, and the character goes, yeah. well, let me pull out the big Indian yeah. rule book and check <laughs> yeah. it out, you know. So, yeah, they are very much just <laughs> winging you know, it, I guess. Yeah, they're yeah. winging yes. it. And they're, uh, yeah, it's the we have come together and that is the point. Mm-hmm. Right, we are here for each other. We're here. I mean, we're mm-hmm. literally naked and sweating up this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we are, we are as human as we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And all the other things, the trappings, the the club, the you know, the 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 actual things around them, right. those don't matter that much. Mm-hmm. You know, those can be switched out. But right. it is the human relationship. It is what we are trying. It's a bond that we're forming that actually matters. That's it. What do you think? It says that he sets this. You know bloodbath in one of the most sacred spaces yeah I, I wondered question yeah um why does the elkhead woman why does she come then to to exact her revenge i mean she could have uh, you know killed each of them individually one by one yes we've well, been talking you could about even it. look she at just the practical up. side of it she's saying okay here's a three for one right and uh it's at night Yes. And they're yeah. naked. They're like they can't get vulnerable. any vulnerable. They, you know, yeah. they've been sweating it out. They haven't been eating. I think they fasted for sort I'm of how yeah. long. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I've I've like you mentioned, I've done away with all the dogs, so they have no protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so maybe just for that alone, I don't think that Jones probably was as simple as that. I bet you anything there is a reason a why. Reason. But uh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Just mm. like, well, I mean, if I were yeah. the elkhead woman, I'd be like, well. Maybe, maybe mm. it's just like the the fact that she is like teaching this lesson. That I mean, and who knows if she's a, hall- a hallucination or not. Mm. You know, a spirit from another world. Mm-hmm. I don't tell that to the dogs. But, mm-hmm. but you know that like in, in, in going into this, this sweat together and entering that Base, they have this encounter with this otherworldly. Could be, yeah. Interesting. And she could have been saying, you know, you came and violated me and yes. my traditions of not mowing down my family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess now I'm going to come into your traditions and huh. do what I want and get that revenge. How does that feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me she she kills the cop. Yes, Vincent. I think it was his name. And but but everybody else sort of dies. From this sort of, she sort of makes all this stuff come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. This anger that they have at each other, and and oh my god, you killed my daughter, and so he kills Cass, and then he realizes, oh, it's not my daughter, and he shoots himself, and right, um, mm-hmm. Cass's girlfriend. Just, I don't understand why she's in the truck. Yeah, I don't either. That, Is she there, like looking for the money? Is she hiding? It's, it's it wasn't clear to me. Okay, but, yeah. So it's not just me. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I just missed it somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why she's in there. I don't either. I mean, I think she's hiding in there at, at this point because she maybe sees this woman. Mm-hmm. But why does she? I don't know. Readers will have to find out don't for themselves. themselves. Inquiring minds. There you go. Let us know if you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I missed it. <laughs> Well, we'll pause here briefly, then come right back for more discussion of Stephen Graham Jones's The Only Good Indians. 
Book Chatter is generously sponsored by the Friends of Longmont Public Library. We acknowledge that Longmont sits on the traditional territory of the Cheyenne, Arapaho, Ute, and other indigenous peoples. We honor the history and the living and spiritual connection that the First Peoples have with this land. It is our commitment to face the injustices that happened when the land was taken, and to educate our communities, ourselves, and our children to ensure that these injustices do not happen again. And we're back. Stories, lessons, and legends are passed down from one generation to the next. Discuss the theme of generational knowledge and how it is an undercurrent for each character and influences their decisions. How has the history you've inherited influenced your life? How does it influence these characters? Um, we probably don't have time to, to go deep with every character, but if, if anyone has some insights on this one, you can launch us in. I think the sweat in and of itself, right? They're trying to hand down some traditions. Oh, yes. To, mm-hmm. their, to their wayward Perfect. next Extent. generation member mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is the glue. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what has kept us together for umpteen thousand years. Mm-hmm. And yes, we may have a ceremonial golf club and you know, <laughs> we're under a bunch of sleeping bags. But the point is, right, that bond, this is what we want to teach you yes. so that you don't go and just become, you know, dissolute and just kind of vanish into the nothing mm-hmm. like their entire culture has been um, at um, in, in danger of doing. The history or the understanding of Lewis's culture, again, going back to the um, division between supernatural and natural, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I imagine myself pretty much losing it if all these things happened, and Lewis mm-hmm. just kind of taking a, okay, this is how the situation changed. Fine, this is what we're going to do. This is my next step. Mm-hmm. I think that has influenced him. That's kind of oh, helped yes. him to... You know, any sort of weirdness in life that comes at him, he's like, all right, I can incorporate that. That's already part of my understanding of what reality is. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it may not be to my advantage, but what can I do about it? And he just moves right into dealing with it. All right. I wanted to mention how um, basketball is a big theme in this book, and the author himself um, yes. played basketball pretty competitively as a young as a young man, mm-hmm. um, and is just so passionate about it. And describes, you know, in loving detail, all the moves and all the muscle (laughs) movements that go into a game. So if you like basketball, you might want Mm -hmm. to read this book for that reason. But I think there's um, an interesting tying in of Denora as a a warrior on the basketball court and Denora as a warrior for her people. And, you know, Denora often will get benched by her coach for showing off. Um, and there's this wonderful quote, I'll just read it. It says, for being Blackfeet, it was like it was like what Gabe had read about in that one book. Those two Cheyenne from the old days who got caught by the cavalry, sentenced to death, but asked if they could die like they wanted. Sure, the stupid custers said. The way those two Cheyenne wanted, it was to die on their horses, with all those soldiers shooting at them as they ran past. Only they did it once and made it through all the bullets. And then again... Finally, they had to walk slow, give those plowboy soldiers a chance. And so Denora, who's, who's this elite basketball star, mm-hmm. um, you know, does become a hero for her people um, yes. through this uh, finals game, I guess, that she plays with Elkhead Woman, mm-hmm. uh, where it all comes to a head. And they're just battling it out. And I, I liked how that brought in, you know, the past and the and the present as well. And and this kind of proud history that that this tribe has. Um, you know, when I mentioned the counting coup before, it wasn't really about killing them. It was more about honor, and it was just about like how awesome you were mm-hmm. that you could go up and kind of disarm this per- like come up to this person and then run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see, you know, tying back into the idea of legends and. Um, how they would have a counting coup stick where they would notch notches on their stick for all the, you know, coups that they had mm-hmm. they had counted. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see like Denora kind of like becoming that kind of figure for her right. tribe, mm-hmm. and it's awesome that she's a girl too. <laughs> totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens throughout the novel 
is possible only because on some level the characters believe that it is. Did their culture and upbringing influence that? Discuss what you believe about spirits, the afterlife, and what is possible or impossible. How easy or difficult was it for you to suspend your disbelief? And I'll jump in a little bit on that one. Ah, I think we're talking Lewis here and his descent into insanity. That, that um, like I said at the very beginning, I don't read a lot of horror, and I think it kind of took me a while to... Uh, get into the groove, I guess, of of watching the 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 main character that you're supposedly rooting for just totally lose it and eventually die because his mind has completely cracked. And um, I'll I'll admit I had a hard time kind of suspending disbelief enough to follow Lewis into his his descent into insanity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once I could let that go a little bit and and try to follow him in. Some things actually started to make more sense, uh, like his wife trying to um, assist him in, for example, laying out a, an outline of the elk on the floor with, with tape so that he could really, quote, see uh, the elk that he had imagined. And uh, it, it's, um, yeah, that was just hard to follow for a while. And, and I, I chalked that up to my lack of horror genre reading <laughs> but but once I did you know it was it was uh just more compelling more more urgent to see how far he was going to go and boy did he go far yeah, <laughs> yeah at first I was like <clears throat> wow. he kept oh well he kept sort of finding reasons to 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 buttress this idea that this elk woman is this elk has come back for me yes oh well, I had I need to see it through these fan blades and then he yes. tries to organize that to work. And then, oh, well, she knew to shut off the fan while oh. I was up there. So she must be the elk woman. And then, mm-hmm. well, you know, she didn't actually read those books. You know, it was just sort of to come over. And yes. that's why she's the elk woman. And then and even his wife, you know, he mm-hmm. sees the, uh, the gore from Harley um, mm-hmm. on his wife's boots. Mm-hmm. He's like, no way, she did it. And I'm like, are you kidding? I know. <laughs> you know, and then he came up with all these probably. ideas why yes. <laughs> PETA was was bad. And, oh, she came at that certain time, mm-hmm. you know, right after or right before it happened. And yeah. just the way he just kept spinning it and spinning it and spinning it. And I was just like, oh, my Lord, you know, you're losing it. Yeah. Until, yes. until he carves that elk calf out of her stomach mm-hmm. and then i'm like oh my god it's real <laughs> mm-hmm. so you're sitting there saying you are nuts buddy and guilt yes and and it's just driving you crazy mm-hmm. and then you know it's just like wham oh my god this is really happening yes and i thought that was just so well done mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. i went down the same path mm-hmm. I, for a long time i was like oh this is a story about how he's losing it he's he's getting too paranoid right. he sees his violation and everything that happens around yeah. him right. and he just starts you know spinning it for himself mm-hmm. and yeah it took a while before i'm like oh no wait no wait this is a real thing yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and i loved that too and that then, was very yeah, good it seems even more horrifying yeah it does <laughs> yeah. um i guess i would <laughs> would also like to just discuss the the role of monsters um in in this book, you know, I mean, I guess monsters are a theme in horror, right? And Elkhead Woman is a, a sort of monster. Um, but how much of that is also a, a kind of a cultural reality uh, for certain tribes? I know that I have a book um, called The the Monster Slayer um, Slayers. I think it's about twin brothers mm-hmm. from a tribe in the Southwest, and they they have to free their people from this monster, um, and they become heroes, and so it may be as a part of of certain cultures that um, you have legends about killing monsters, right? Um, I was just thinking about that, yeah, and how it ties in. And the Elkhead woman, uh, the Deer Woman, that's a that's a pretty big myth, um, not for the Blackfeet, mm-hmm. but for some other tribes. Um, I can't remember which ones, but yeah, she she's usually. Um, she's a defender of women mm-hmm. and she takes vengeance on men that have treated women badly. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of her, her things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, she's a real, a real myth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early on, we learned the full meaning behind the title, The Only Good Indians. Discuss the meaning behind this insult and the author's choice to use it as the title. Does it give power to the saying, or does it take it away? Discuss its significance in the context of this novel, as well as in the world you live in. There is a a section of this book um, where the author talks about all the, the negative slogans that people chant at the basketball games oh, yes. where there are, um, you know, Native American children playing mm-hmm. uh, against white children, I guess, when they go to different games um, mm-hmm. off the reservation. And he talks about how um, Denora's coach tells them that their war paint is on the inside of their faces and how they don't look away. Um, and, you know, dribbling and passing and shooting are just part of the game that gets recorded in the stats. But there's also who wants it worse. And I think that mm. when you grow up hearing these slogans, you know, you get a little bit of grit in you because the other team, uh, their fan section is chanting, only good Indian is a dead Indian. Mm-hmm. It's a good day to die. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. kill the Indian, save the man. Um Indians go home. No Indians or dogs allowed. So if you could imagine trying to play on a sports field with your opposing team chanting that at you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, I think this author is, is trying to get these messages out there um, and to let us think about it and let us do some of the emotional labor as white people, I think, because this is a part of our shared history Mm-hmm. Um, and we live in this country, um, which was forcibly taken um, a lot of a lot of the land from the you know indigenous peoples that lived here, and mm-hmm. um, and instead of writing a nonfiction book, this author has written this gripping horror slasher novel, yeah. um, and it it is gripping, and it's gonna you're gonna love it if you like horror. It's super entertaining, but it's a way to like kind of just sort of put some things in there that, that you know, like, why don't you think about this? Mm-hmm. I don't want to, as an author, I heard him say in an interview, I don't want to answer your questions at the book talk about, about what happened to my people and mm-hmm. about the trauma. I don't want to do that. That's emotional labor. So I think in this, he's just kind of putting that out there and saying, I'm going to give you this really entertaining story, but I want you to also think about this and do the emotional labor uh, when you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing about the title. Um, so the only good Indian and the, the end of that is a dead Indian, right? Mm-hmm. And in this book, they all die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Um, so are they the good ones? I, I don't know, you know, and, and it's a theme throughout the book. Um, they ask themselves, am I being a good Indian? Yeah. Right. Um, right. And that's a part of their guilt process. Am, am I upholding these traditions? Am I honoring my people? Am mm-hmm. I, you know, am I, am I forgetting the things I shouldn't be forgetting? And, they, and, and it's something they ask themselves mm-hmm. a lot. Wrestling all the time. Um, so I think that's part of the title as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do they, are they, are they good? You know, hmm. um, I don't know. They don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where it leaves you, that, that they're not sure. We're not sure. <laughs> Denora is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's why she comes away the heroine. I she think. is the heroine, yeah. yeah. I think about what like what prompted her to to be the heroine in the end. I mean, I think that's kind of important to talk about. Yeah. It wasn't well accidental. We close, you know? mm-hmm. And it was really going back and thinking about, well, what were the stories that I heard as a child mm-hmm. in this old man's lodge? Uh-huh. Um and it goes back to the elders, um, and it goes back to seeing her dad, like, 10 years ago on that hunt and just saying, like, in her mind, like, do we want to continue with the violence? That's it. Yeah. Or is this the right place to end it? Right. She chooses empathy, yeah, mm-hmm. and mercy over yeah. revenge mm-hmm. and coup, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think she wanted to be a hero. I don't think she was going after that. I think she, she she 
there might be a portion of her that wants to be the hero on the basketball court, but even Definitely. there, you know, she's being fueled by, by something else. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think, you know, when she, when she decides to stop this cycle, mm-hmm. she's just thinking about, okay, what's the right thing here? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I, I, I think that that's one, it's a kind of a wonderful statement because it's also saying, you know, the young generation may come in and say, okay, can we just forget all this garbage that yeah. you know the previous ah. generation brought to this and started this cycle of violence and destruction and retribution and, and back and forth mm-hmm. and just stop? Mm-hmm. Let's just stop. Yeah, it ends hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I mean, she says to herself, um, but her new dad shooting the elk beside her isn't going to bring her old dad back. Mm-hmm. And as long as she keeps dribbling behind her back because she likes to do that, you know, when she doesn't have to, then her real dad won't even really be gone, will he? Um, mm-hmm. So just thinking about, you know, how she can avoid more killing while um, honoring, like, and carrying her her real dad with her, mm-hmm. um, keeping him with her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just love that we read this for October because we're going into a dark time and of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we picked it. But it, like, it makes us look at, like, the darker sides of human nature. Right. And that there's so much catharsis in that, right? I mm-hmm. felt like for me it was a cathartic read. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Jana, Johannes, and Josie for a great discussion of The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. For our next episode, we've chosen Think Again The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know by Adam Grant. This is a book about the benefit of doubt and about how we can get better at embracing the unknown and the joy of being wrong. Copies of Think Again are available from the library in regular and large print and in ebook and e-audiobook formats from the Front Range downloadable library. So, grab a copy, read or listen to Think Again, then share your comments and questions with us. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our program notes for details on how to contact us. And thanks for listening. See you next time on Book Chatter, the book club for busy people.